Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. A tipped tractor and a damaged police cruiser. The tractor driver fell out of the sunroof of the tractor onto the road there. What we know about a bizarre pursuit on Highway 1. West Vancouver goes to the dogs. We are an extreme outlier here in West Vancouver. The rule change on the popular seawalk and why not everyone likes it. Plus, UBC at the Vanier Cup, how the T-Birds fared against Montreal. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A man is in custody tonight after an unusual crash on an on-ramp to Highway 1 in Surrey involving a tractor and an RCMP vehicle. This is a live shot from Global One. You can see the investigation and the cleanup continues on 176th Street, just off the Trans-Canada. Now, details are still coming in at this hour, but Global's Julia Foy has what we know so far. Around 12.30 Saturday afternoon, drivers along 176th Street and Golden Ears Way in Surrey couldn't believe their eyes when they saw a large green tractor hogging the road. Shortly followed behind him, two RCMP officers with their lights and sirens on, uh, following the tractor. And one of the police cars already had uh, some significant damage to it, obviously where the tractor had been making contact. The two were actually BC Highway Patrol cars. They stayed hot on the tractor's tail. What we saw is the tractor made contact with the police car a couple more times before finally uh, making contact and actually rolling over. The, the door is ripped off. The tractor's flipped. The tractor's flipped. The farm vehicle swerved onto an exit lane for Highway 1 and crashed. Operator, or tractor driver, fell out of the sunroof of the tractor onto the road there. RCMP tell Global News that several emergency crews attended and one man was taken into custody. The suspect was also taken to hospital, but he did not suffer any life-threatening injuries. From what I understand from uh, listening in as close as I could, I think he was protesting. Uh, he started out in Chilliwack, or he owns a farm in Chilliwack, and he was actually driving down Highway 1, uh, protesting not too sure what. The driver may have been part of a protest. The tractor appears to have an anti-Soji flag on the back. This week, there have been several protests surrounding the BC education program known as SOGI, which stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. Global was contacted by a member who told us a Stop SOGI 123 protest was planned for Saturday. A poster made for the road rally said they planned to drive from Chilliwack to Vancouver. He's friggin' hitting the car. Surrey RCMP say the BC Integrated Collision Analysis and Reconstruction Service will be investigating. As the tractor driver turned into the police car, that's actually what called him, caused him to roll over. I'm not an auto body guy or an ICBC guy, but I think that one's a write-off. Julia Foy, Global News. A recall petition against Minister of Education and MLA Rushna Singh has been launched, calling for her to be removed from the Surrey Green Timbers riding. The petition is being organized by anti-SOGI supporter Gurdip Jazal, who believes the curriculum is harming children. 
Elections BC has approved the petition, which will be issued next week and is scheduled to be submitted in late January. For the petition to be successful, it will need the signatures from more than 40% of eligible voters in the riding. Singh's office tells Global News she is not available for comment this weekend. A rude awakening in Langley this morning as residents were jolted from their beds by the sound of gunfire. RCMP responded to a shots fired call around 4 a.m. at a home on 196th Street near 68th Avenue on the Surrey-Langley border. No injuries have been reported. Police believe the home was targeted, but that's cold comfort for the neighbors. Our kids saw the police cars and they were telling something is wrong and then, yeah, and then I feel quite unsafe. Yeah, there's been a lot, like the shooting at Starbucks and then the Zero Ave and it's all over the place. A portion of 196th Street was closed for the investigation. The federal agency tasked with reviewing complaints against the RCMP says the police force is causing significant delays in a logging and energy protest investigation. The Civilian Review and Complaints Commission says it has received little information or records since July. The investigation was first launched in March to determine whether the unit's policing of protests, like at logging sites and along the coastal gasoline pipeline project, were consistent with case law, the Canadian Charter and the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. A law firm has been hired by the commission to interview people who interacted with the RCMP during those protests. Lawyers with the firm say they are not concerned about the delay. This will just give us more time to do the important work that we're wanting to do. We're going to have a chance to get further. We're going to get a more complete picture. We understand why people might be concerned, but in our viewpoint, um, this just sheds a light on what we're doing, hopefully, and broadens um, the scope of where people are seeing it and maybe get our, our information out there so that we can continue our work. Anyone who had contact with the RCMP's Community Industry Response Group between 2017 and last year is invited to share their experience. The sessions will culminate in a What We Heard report, which will then be publicly available. The RCMP has yet to explain the delays. A new report from United Way is shining a light on the growing number of seniors who are considered low income and at risk of homelessness. Currently in B.C., 15% of seniors classify in the low-income bracket, an increase from previous years. This means one in five seniors is spending 50% or more of their income on rental housing. The report makes several recommendations, including increasing the supply of affordable rental housing and subsidized housing. One of the um, statistics that we show in the report is the fact that when we think about that subsidized rent geared to income housing, which is supposed to be the most affordable, we've actually seen over 2017 to 2022, the seniors population has increased by 20%, while the number of subsidized housing units for seniors has only increased by 0.1%. So we're really not seeing that growth of the housing keep pace with the population needs. The wolf dog of Vancouver Island appears to have struck this morning. The animal is called WD-40 by rescuers who are trying to capture it. It is on the loose around Coombs, north of Nanaimo. Around 10 this morning, the animal appears to have killed a family pet. 
A dog was attacked in a wooded area near a campground in Coombs. The tight-knit community is devastated by the attack, and signs are going up warning of the danger. It's believed the animal was abandoned at the end of September after the animal became too much for its owners. Well, West Vancouver has officially gone to the dogs. Canine owners and their allies won a hard-fought battle this week to allow dogs on previously restricted areas of its seawalk. And on a sunny Saturday, the pups were out in full force. Global's Paul Johnson now with the tale. Breaking the law no more. When Honey the Golden hit the concrete Saturday, it marked a historic moment in dog world the day they took the seawall back. I think some people are uncomfortable by dogs, so I understand that, but I think if they're on a leash and they're good behaved, then it's totally fine. For as long as most can remember here, West Van has had a strict ban on dogs on its signature seaside stroll. But in recent months, people like Councillor Linda Watt started to wonder, couldn't they come up with a way to coexist with dogs and their people? I do feel that it's time that we got more in alignment with the prevailing mentality, not just across Metro Vancouver, but really the country and continent. This last summer, I've been woken up practically every single night from this woman walking her dog at 11.45 p.m. The change, though, was surprisingly hard fought. Those opposed turned up at City Hall to raise the specter of Great Danes jumping on the frail, leashes clotheslining toddlers, and of course, the biohazards of poop. There were cases in London of kids getting blind. They did the medical research and the blindness were caused by dog's poop. All great points, but out with Roxy, the blue-dappled mini dachshund, you learn that behavior has evolved. Our dog's pretty well trained and she's usually in the stroller uh, when we're on this walk, so it'll be nice to be able to bring her out and have her on the ground. Dog owners are collectively much more responsible than in years past. Not scooping the poop is about as socially acceptable now as lighting a smoke in a restaurant. So for many, it seems like a common sense move. Down at their beachhead on Burrard Inlet, you see the joy many get from them. But for those concerned, you have to wonder what's next for the dogs of West Van. First, we take Ambleside. Paul Johnson, Global News. A new business has opened its doors on the Lower Mainland, hoping to cash in on a growing trend in North America away from alcohol. Alyssa Tebow has the story of a lounge where getting a drink doesn't mean what it used to. What'd you think of that one? It's opening weekend for Metro Vancouver's newest drinking hall, but this one is completely booze-free. At the bar, customers can try wine, beer and pre-batch cocktails that taste just like the real thing without the buzz. When we came up with the idea and started researching it, we saw that the industry was growing very quickly and felt like we were right at the beginning of a major wave. And if we didn't jump on our surfboards and start paddling really fast, we were going to miss it. Raquel Foran and her husband first got the idea from a news article about the growing alcohol-free industry. Seven months later, the doors at Bevy's booze-free bottle shop and tasting room opened. My work life was in hospitality, so I have some experience in that and Jim's interest 
alcoholists and the non-alcoholic staff. It just felt like a really good fit. Across the country, there is growing interest in drinking less. The latest figures from Stats Canada show a drop in alcohol sales by 1.2% in 2021-2022, the first time sales had declined since 2013. Booze-free beverages have also improved. You're getting much better quality products in a category that used to not have the best quality and certainly not the range. Nick Devine created Edna's non-alcoholic cocktails about two years ago. They're currently stocked in almost all major Canadian supermarkets and the Vancouver-born company is also about to launch in American Target. We're in a bunch of places across the US at the moment, but that would be our, our biggest to date by by a long stretch. When it comes to price, alcohol-free products are not much cheaper. Foreign says that comes down to high-quality ingredients. These are made in the same distilleries, the same vineyards and the same breweries as the stuff with alcohol. Just minus the headache the next morning. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. The calls for an inquiry in the shoe swap. They knew exactly that that backburn had backfired. Just ahead on the news hour, why some residents say they still don't have enough answers from the BC Wildfire Service. And an update on the turkey supply with the holidays just around the corner. Residents of the North Shuswap are calling for an investigation into the wildfires that devastated the region last summer. At a meeting in Solista this week, local author and environmentalist Jim Cooperman told the room he believes there is a direct link with the largest growth in fire and a BC Wildfire Service backburn on August 17th. More than 170 homes within the regional district were destroyed and another 50 damaged. I'm now representing the community with 1,600 plus signatures on the petition site. It's obvious that most people in this North Shushawk community uh, were on the same wavelength when it comes to the BC Wildfire Service and the government and the, the mess they're making of fighting wildfires. Cooperman says he will be bringing six complaints to various branches of government. The war between Russia and Ukraine is approaching its second anniversary, a grim milestone for many Ukrainian refugees in the Okanagan. Professionals from across the province, including psychologists and immigration consultants, are now helping them cope with being away from home and building a new life here in Canada. Victoria Femia has that story. Yulia Halakdinova fled her home in the midst of the war between Ukraine and Russia one year ago. I arrived with my daughter um, and uh, with my husband, uh, but my son uh, now in Ukraine and I worry about it. Worrying about her family, but also her country. Terrible uh, what uh, uh, happens with our nation and uh, mm, we have many worries now about our land, our people, our country. Worries that hundreds of refugees now living in the Okanagan share, and it was the topic of a forum in Kelowna on Saturday. We uh, are here to help Ukrainians um, deal with their anxiety uh, of settling in Canada. Uh, anxiety about um, changing their career, pursuing their um, academic goals and um, pursuing their permanent settlement in Canada. And for many refugees, living in our country for this long was not the plan, but it's now become an unexpected reality. 
as the time goes by, as they uh, see that the war in Ukraine continues, they think they deal with stress um, of uh, delayed return to their homeland. And with no signs of the war stopping anytime soon, it's yet another Christmas away from home. Many people are depressed, uh, I would say, because of that, because we are, we are close to the second year and there is no uh, kind of no hope uh, uh, that we see how it could be over. But still celebrating the holidays as best they can. We'll try to make it uh, happier to cheer up, especially kids. Um, kids don't watch the news from Ukraine, right? So a few Christmas presents can uh, really lift up uh, their moods. Employees hoping to return to their jobs at a major paper mill in Crofton are out of luck, at least until next year. Paper excellence will remain closed until the end of February at the earliest, leaving about 70 unionized workers off the job. They had been hoping to return December 1st. The company says challenging conditions in international paper markets have not recovered as anticipated. Paper Excellence received more than $18 million in provincial and federal funding last year. The union wants answers from the company and the government on why established timelines are failing just 10 months after funding was announced. The company behind a possible mine north of Prince George is still working its way through approvals months after the first proposal. The Angus project is located about 10 kilometers east of Bear Lake. Propent, often called frac sand, is used in fracking during crude oil and natural gas extraction. Vitriol Minerals Incorporated says the next step in the process is the environmental assessment. Despite another year of avian flu concerns around the holidays, producers are expecting a good supply of turkey for the Christmas season. The number of avian flu cases amongst ducks, hens and other poultry has surged this year. However, while highly susceptible to avian flu, turkeys are not impacted as severely this year. Therefore, producers say consumers do not have to worry about shortages or buying ahead. Unfortunately, turkeys are very susceptible to avian influenza um, and they react quite a bit quicker than other poultry types. So if a farmer has avian influenza in their turkey barns, they'll know very quickly. Um, in other types of poultry, it might take a little longer to, to see symptoms in the birds. We're not expecting a shortage of turkey this Christmas and encourage um, consumers to go about their regular purchasing patterns ahead of the holidays. Producers attribute the poultry influenza outbreak to wild birds migrating through the region. A day of fast-moving developments in the Middle East. Up next on the News Hour, the anxiety after Hamas delayed its next hostage release. Also ahead. We see the potential for thousands of, of people to rejoin the ranks of blood donors. The changing rules for giving blood. Who can donate as of next month? Hundreds gathered at the Vancouver Art Gallery today for a pro-Palestinian march led by children. I'm just 11 with dreams so wild, but war has come, a heritage compelled. Those at the rally say the children of Gaza will not be forgotten. It comes on the same day as a rally in Ottawa, organized by the Palestinian Youth Movement. Your pain is my pain. We are both children. We both have lives ahead of us, but you wake up wondering if you will live at all. I wake up to my mom saying, Rima, wake up, you're going to be late to school. You wake up to your mom saying, 
Hurry up. We need to evacuate. Organizers want the federal government to put pressure on Israel to prolong the ceasefire. In the Middle East, it has been a day of fast-moving developments packed with anxiety and anticipation. Hamas is releasing 13 Israelis as well as four foreign nationals in exchange for 39 Palestinian prisoners. But at times today, it wasn't clear the prisoner swap would actually happen. Global's Mike Armstrong is following the story, but first a warning. Some of the video in his report is disturbing. As soon as he saw him, he was off. Ohad Munder looking for a hug from his father. The nine-year-old spent 49 days as a hostage with his mother and grandmother, but the family says this moment was bittersweet. Ohad's grandfather is still held by Hamas, and another member of the family will never come back. My cousin was murdered on that Saturday, so um, the puzzle cannot, cannot be finished, cannot be complete. This was another reunion at the same pediatric hospital. A father with his arms around his entire family. His wife and two daughters were all hostages. When four-year-old Raz says she dreamed of going home, her father says that dream is coming true. Yeah. Ohad and four other children were taken to the same facility, along with four adults. The plan is for some catching up and some gentle pampering. Some of Ohad's friends dropped by the hospital Saturday. The director of pediatrics says the nine former hostages are in good condition and hospital staff is avoiding prodding them with questions. They're telling us their stories and we're listening and we're exciting with them sometimes trying with them. For some of the hostages, being released meant finding out what happened to other members of the family. 72-year-old Adina Moshe had to be told her husband had been killed October 7th. She also had to get accustomed to sunlight because of where she was kept. She was in a tunnel. She was not uh, used to the daylight. And uh, during her captivity, she was disconnected at all from all the outside world. Also released Friday were 10 Thai hostages and one Filipino. Some of their families only found out they were alive watching the news as it happened live. This woman in Thailand says she danced in the street when she saw her daughter and son-in-law were free. She says she hasn't been able to watch anything with bombs falling and her daughter somewhere in the middle of it. The wait now drags on for the families of other hostages holding out hope. There was, for one family, a bit of good news. One of the released hostages says they saw 79-year-old Haim Perry alive. Even that sliver of information is more than they had before and is very, very welcome. Mike Armstrong, Global News, Jerusalem. Health Canada is lifting a ban on blood donations put in place to prevent the spread of mad cow disease. It prevented donations by people who lived in or traveled to the United Kingdom, Ireland or France for long periods in the 1980s and 90s. And as health reporter Catherine Ward explains, the change comes at a good time. I, I honestly, I welled up. I, I nearly cried. This is hugely significant. Sarah Craig knows firsthand why giving blood is so important after a car crash put her life in jeopardy. I was 19 at the time and it was those initial hours where I was given a blood transfusion. It's hugely important. Um, it is a way to save lives. 
She was ready to roll up her sleeves when she came to Canada with her now husband, but was not allowed. It was because of mad cow disease in the UK and in parts of Europe in the 80s and 90s, and there was just concern over tainting the blood supply. But across the country, the rules are set to change. Health Canada made the decision this week to lift the ban for that group of people as of December 4th this year. Canadian Blood Services was among the organizations who requested the policy to be updated. Over 20, 30 years of experience have taught us that it is not a threat to the system as we know it today, that uh, opening up a donation to people who spent time during that, uh, during that period does not increase risk. A move that comes just in time, with blood donations needed more than ever. So uh, we, we see the potential for thousands of, of people to rejoin the ranks of blood donors, and it couldn't come at a better time. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, we, we hit a 30% drop in our donor base, and, and we're struggling to, to build that up. The hospitals keep on running, so we need the blood to keep flowing, and we need people to keep giving blood plasma. Sarah says she can't wait to roll up her sleeve. Whether it's donating organs or donating blood, we face traumas at times. Our hospitals and emergency rooms face trauma, and this is something that now I get to give back. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. How cold will it get overnight? Avon's forecast ahead. Also, how first responders in Chilliwack are coming together to give back to their community. The CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day campaign recognizes the importance of diversity. So let's lift each other up on Pink Shirt Day, Wednesday, February 28th. Presented by Fortis BC. Energy for a better BC. Thousands of people came out this morning to celebrate the birth of the founder of Sikhism. <laughs> The Nagar Kirtan procession began at a Gurdwara this morning in East Newton. One of the values of Sikhism is to share one's wealth with those in need. And that's what families along the parade route did by handing out pakoras, samosas and more. Today is uh, Gurpurb, the uh, birthday of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, the first Sikh Guru. So this is celebrated in the whole world, in all Sikh community. The parade wound its way through the Chimney Hill neighborhood. There were road closures, but should be lifted by now. Beautiful day for a parade as long as you bundled <laughs> up, Yvonne. It was chilly. Yeah, it's still going to be chilly once again this evening. We'll dip down to the freezing mark, uh, but uh, keep your eyes to the skies. And this is why we've got uh, the beaver full moon. It is going to peak on Monday early morning, but you can enjoy it throughout the weekend. This is a great time lapse that was captured by our very own Pat Bell. So a gorgeous shot and a bit of a preview. So keep your eyes to the skies and that'll be for Monday morning very early. But you're hoping to catch it, especially since the forecast will be co cooperating as well. As we take a look outside right now, we've got dry conditions. It is chilly. We're sitting at four. We've got a light northwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. A few clouds are going to roll in this evening, and we are going to still be underneath this ridge of high pressure. It's been the dominant feature that's given us the sunshine. The next weather maker is going to move in along the northern half of the province, but that'll be late for tomorrow night. Now, we do have a dense fog advisory near zero visibility for a few spots along the north and central coast. This will continue overnight 
overnight and then the fog should lift by tomorrow morning but do keep that in mind especially across these regions then the rain is going to move in it'll be late for tomorrow evening that'll be along the northern half of the province and then continuing in towards our monday but all areas along the southern half will still remain dry in the coming days overnight lows so very chilly once again with whistler we're down to minus four Lytton minus two castle garve minus three in areas near cranbrook into the minus double digits so chilly we do have some fog in the morning hours and we'll also be tracking some frost as well so the northern half of the province the fog will lift we will be underneath a mainly cloudy sky a very very slight chance across the central interior for an isolated flurry the southeastern corners of the province will see some breaks some sunshine will be in the mix similar across the thompson okanagan with dry conditions a few fog patches for the morning hours and whistler by the afternoon with that sunshine and highs closer to five degrees so along the south coast we'll have fog and then it'll lift we will see some sunshine very pleasant across the board tofino even seeing highs closer to nine degrees lower mainland we should top out closer to seven as our daytime high now monday onwards for back to work and school fantastic forecast even continuing in towards our wednesday we've got some sunshine in the mix change on the way and a bit of a blip in the forecast starts to roll in by our thursday but through the afternoon hours tomorrow plenty of sunshine jordan i don't think you're going to get too many people complaining no. about that five day <laughs> absolutely bond. not thanks very much <laughs> The annual emergency services food drive kicked off today in Chilliwack. Members of the Chilliwack Fire Department, RCMP, Search and Rescue and Emergency Support Services were stationed at multiple locations throughout the city collecting non-perishable food items on this first of five Saturdays in a row leading up to Christmas. The food drive is in partnership with the Salvation Army Food Bank. They say the need is immense with food prices still climbing. Especially this time of year, we're about to prepare 1,500 hampers for the community of Chilliwack, and that's an increase from last year. We're seeing quite a lot of people just needing the bare necessities. Every year that we've done this, we always wonder um, how we'll do this year, will we surpass last year? And it seems like every year that we do this, our citizens, our community rallies, and, and we, we seem to uh, achieve greater and greater uh, amounts each year. So we're really looking forward to see how this year will go for us. We know this is a, a really tough year. Residents are also able to donate items at Fire Hall Number 1 on Cheam Avenue. Much-needed work being done there. Mm-hmm. Barry's in now, and statistically, if the trend holds, this should be an easy night for the Canucks. Well, yeah, they're getting San Jose at the uh, right time. They play them four times this year, which is great. They've already played them a couple times. The Sharks, as we know, are uh, swimming at the bottom (laughs) of the NHL. 32nd out of 32, so we'll set that game up. Canucks played great last night. One of their better games here. Kind of hit their maybe their first little swoon in the past week with uh, three losses and four, but looked great last night. So we will hear from... uh, Rick Tockett and Teddy Bluger, who got his first as a Canuck as well, and UBC Thunderbirds going for a Vanier Cup, the University Football Championships against the Montreal Carabins, which I believe, I've, I've done research, it's either a gun or a medical student, which is a funny combination. <laughs> if I'm reading Quite that correctly, anyone those. who knows the French language better than me, which is most, if you have a clarification, but I've, I've been trying to figure out what a caravan is for, well, you still got for days. Minutes. You've got to go back and look it up. Yeah, again. I've looked once. I, that's all I can do. Okay. <laughs> Google, <laughs> it, it help us. It sounds cool. That's all we care. It's a caravan. Right. Okay. Thanks, Barry. Also ahead on the news hour. I was one of the younger girls for sure, so I, wasn't, I didn't have big expectations going in. A BC teen and her horse, Snickers, impressed the judges at a national competition. How success runs in the family coming up. 
Prince George teen who went to a national horse show with no expectations is now a two-time champion. While it's an incredible feat for 15-year-old Colby Koenig, what makes it even more special is that winning runs in the family. We get the story tonight from CKPG News. 15-year-old Kobe Koenig and her horse Snickers return to Prince George as national champions. More specifically, Kobe is the new Jump Canada national champion and the Canadian equestrian team champion, finishing at the top during the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair in Toronto. It was really cool going for the first time. Um, it's a huge show, it's the fair, and so there's like a whole bunch of different animals. I was one of the younger girls for sure, so I, wasn't, I didn't have big expectations going in. But it was really cool to go to have the experience, like walking down that chute. All the horses live on the top floor, and so you have to walk them up and down a ramp every day. So it was definitely a lot different than what we're used to. For both events, Colby had to finish top four at regionals in September. After qualifying, she was off to Toronto to compete on the national level for the first time in her young horse show jumping career. Not knowing what to expect, but putting in her best effort and ultimately winning. So it was really cool. I was kind of going in, hoping to do well, but I for sure was not expecting to win both in my first year. All the girls were mostly older. The CT is U21 and the Jump Canada is U18. And so going in as a 15-year-old, I was not. I did not have big expectations for sure, but it was so exciting. It's not the first time the family has been successful at the event, as Colby's older sister Taylor was also crowned Canadian equestrian team champion back in 2021. For Taylor, it was an incredible feeling seeing her younger sister follow in her footsteps, especially at such a young age. When I won it, I was older, so I was like, oh my gosh, you're even younger than I was, and now you're winning it. And it was just like super cool because it's kind of like she's following in my footsteps a little bit. And I mean, it's just such a cool experience to go through as a family. Um, you know, we haven't quite looked back, but we might be the first or second set of siblings to ever have won both. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool in its own way. Anthony Korea, CK, PG News. Canucks game night, Barry will have a preview. Also ahead, UBC at the Vanier Cup, a breakdown of the T-Birds' first appearance in the championship game since 2015. You're invited to one of the largest toy drives. On December 13th, join us for the 36th annual Christmas Wish Breakfast. Enjoy free breakfast when you bring a new unwrapped toy or cash to the Pan Pacific Vancouver. Covenant House Vancouver Triple Match campaign is on now until December 31st. Donate today and your gift will go three times as far in helping young people overcome homelessness. For Our BC, I'm Yvonne Shell. In partnership with BC Cancer Foundation, with you, life beyond cancer is within reach. Give at bccancerfoundation.com. Welcome back. When the news hour ends, the Canucks game begins. Mm -hmm. yeah. so don't change the channel yet. Not, not quite yet. Of course, the last time the Canucks were in San Jose, they barely beat them 10 to 1. Right, barely. I don't expect that to happen again. Maybe <laughs> 7. All right, thanks, Jordan. They'll probably lose now. The uh, Canucks will try to make it three straight wins over the uh, hapless Sharks as Vancouver closes out its three-game road trip tonight in San Jose. We do expect Casey DeSmith to get the start after Thatcher Demko turned in another spectacular effort in the 5-1 win last night in Seattle. The Canucks have ridden the incredible starts of their top players this season. Quinn Hughes, J.T. Miller, Elias Pettersson. But last night... The supporting cast had the starring role. Four of the five goals came from the bottom six forwards. And another good play at the blue line, this by Koronik. 
And now a steal by Bluger. He's in shorthanded. Teddy Bluger deep. He scores. His first goal as a Canuck comes shorthanded, and it's 1-0. Garland gets the puck. Gets it again. Shoots. Kicked out. Joshua scores. Dakota Joshua on the rebound. He's on the board, and it's 2-0 Vancouver. Nice pass across. Hironik loads up. He shoots. He scores. Now, did Sam Lafferty maybe get a piece of that? The man at the point, and here comes Vancouver. Hoaglander in towards the goal. He shoots, he scores! The point streak continues for Nils Hoaglander, who buries that one and makes it 4-1. to one. As the Canucks knock off Seattle 5-1 to one at Climate Pledge Arena. I think they've been good the last four or five, six games. I think hash mark down, they've been one of our better lines, you know. I don't really see many turnovers from them. Uh, they, you know, I thought Teddy was great. I mean, uh, Dakota's been playing better in every game, and you know, it's nice to see Gars get a couple points. He's, Gars deserves a few more points. He's been playing good, so yeah, that line deserved to, uh, to stay together. I thought we had some good zone time the last couple games and some chances, but which is good, you know, having good momentum. But at the end of the day, it's about putting the puck in back in the net. So, um, you know, hopefully, we can build some confidence off of that and keep that going. And um, definitely a good feeling, you know, for for myself and for Dak to put put that one in. And um, you know, Gar Gar played a good game, had a couple assists, so it was good. Abbotsford Canucks played this afternoon in Calgary and lost 3-1 to the first-place Wranglers. Linus Carlson had the only goal, the Canucks' third in the Pacific Division of the AHL. The UBC Thunderbirds were hoping to uh, cap what has been a real magical playoff run with a Vanier Cup championship today in Kingston, Ontario. The number two-ranked T-Birds took on the top-ranked Montreal Carabin, a team that had yet to give up a touchdown in the playoffs. This uh, rematch of the 2015 Vanier Cup final, which UBC won with Michael O'Connor at quarterback. The T-Birds defense coming up uh, with a big play in Montreal's first drive. Jason Soriano with the pick. Snuffs out the Montreal drive. It was just 9-6 at uh, halftime for the Caribbean. But then Montreal quarterback uh, Jonathan Senegal. Oh, they got another touchdown here to make it 9-0. And then it's Senegal who will score the touchdown. Uh, that made it 16-6. And uh, that was the final ended up being in this game 16-9. But we'll... See the pass here and a great uh, catch there by Shamar McBean. Led to another field goal, so it's 16-9. Final minute, UBC driving for the tie, third down. But uh, the quarterback, Garrett Rooker's pass, falls incomplete. A valiant effort by Blake Nils T-Birds, but they lose a hard-fought defensive battle. 16-9 as Montreal wins the Vanier Cup. The BCHL Roadshow is back for a third time. The Cowichan Valley Capitals and Victoria Grizzlies will play tonight and tomorrow afternoon in Quinell. It is a great way for the BCHL to showcase its product, but it's much more than just hockey. Jay Janauer made the trip north and has this report. Welcome to the Gold Pan City. Quinell and its rich Gold Rush history, home to the world's largest gold pan, and also edition three of the BC Hockey League Roadshow. In 2020, Kitimat hosted the Prince George Spruce Kings and Langley Rivermen. Last year, Burns Lake and the Lake Babine Nation hosted the Spruce Kings and Salmon Arm Silverbacks. This year, Latako Dene Nation and Quinell host the Cowichan Valley Capitals and Victoria Grizzlies. Connecting with the local community, it's every bit as important as the action on the ice. The BC Hockey League Roadshow welcomed in traditional song by the Ecole Red Bluff Latako Elementary School. A hockey outreach of sorts with questions, answers, 
autographs, and of course, some floor hockey. Oh, it's been great excitement. All week, kids have been buzzing about this opportunity, and uh, they really kind of talk about the passion sport that we have with our school. Our teams are really committed to um, you know, their seasons this year. We really appreciate the BCHL, the Victoria Grizzlies, and the Couch and Valley Capitals for all of this. It's an amazing opportunity to bring our community together here. Yeah, I grew up in a small town as well, so I'm quite used to it. Um, you know, I 4,500 people where I'm from, so these guys look up to us. They, 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 want, they all want to be hockey players. They love hockey, such a hockey community. They, I mean, they love the game, so it's, it's big for us to come here and show what they, they could aspire to be. Because the BC Hockey League is now running as an independent, Hockey Canada has deemed it to be a rogue league. So no on-ice involvement or clinics featuring local minor hockey teams for kids of all ages. Unfortunately, due to, I'd say, the fear-mongering of, of groups like BC Hockey and Hockey Canada, their minor hockey association are second-guessing their involvement and being told that if they do get involved, uh, there's going to be repercussions. So incredibly sad, uh, that's what it's come to. Uh, we would have loved to have some great clinics and seeing the smiling faces we saw last year in, uh, you know, at the roadshow. We could also dub this weekend's BC Hockey League Roadshow as the Highway Series. Normally, Couch and Valley and Victoria travel up and down the Malahat Highway. Instead, they came up Highway 97 for this weekend's what appears to be sold-out games between Couch and Valley and the Victoria Grizzlies. From the West Fraser Centre in Quinnell, Jay Janower, Global Sports. Thank you, Double J. Back to the NHL where Todd McClellan and the L.A. Kings are rolling. Perfect 9-0 on the road so far. On home ice today against the Habs, well, L.A.'s pretty good on any ice surface right now. Carl Grundstrom with the blast past Jake Allen. That's all they needed, but they got a few more, including this quick release from Trevor Lewis. Kings are now 13-3-3, 29 points tied with the Canucks, but L.A. has played two fewer games. Some uh, soccer now. Big game in the Premier League early this morning. Number one, Man City versus number two, Liverpool. 27th minute, Nathan Ake to Erling Holland. He's the one to score, and that's his 50th goal in Premier League history. It's, he is the fastest to score 50 goals in Premier League history. He took him just 48 games. The old record was 65, so he smashed it. The big Norwegian just never misses. one nothing Man City. But in the 80th, most solid at Trent Alexander-Arnold. Good time to get his first goal of the year. Liverpool snatch a point on the road. 1-1 the final against Manchester City. And that result opened the door for Arsenal to jump to the top of the table. Gunners at Brentford today wearing their yellows. No goals until the 89th. Perfect cross to the far posts. And it's Kai Havertz who heads it in. Havertz was a big signing coming over from Chelsea. That's just his second goal for Arsenal, but it's a big one. Puts the Gunners in first. A point up on second place, Man City. Two up on third place, Liverpool. And Canucks tonight against the Sharks. Highlights of that one. Well, highlights of that BCHL game from Quinnell as well. Come All on, on the 11. final. All okay. on the final, so stay up, please. We'll be back at 11 and 8, too. <laughs> Still ahead, helping you celebrate the holidays while also helping kids in foster care. That story as the news hour continues. From breaking news to developing stories. We have teams in the field in some of the worst hit areas of this province. Global news is as local as it gets. No one connects you to your community better than BC's number one news. 
come home to the team you trust with the stories that matter most to British Columbians. Global News Hour at 6. We are BC's News. All right, ready or not, it is officially one month until Christmas, which means many outdoor tree lots are now open for the season. One of those is community staple Aunt Leah's Christmas tree lots. They have locations in Vancouver, Burnaby and Coquitlam. Throughout the year, Aunt Leah's supports youth who have been connected to the foster system in BC with 100% of the profits going to its programs. It's hard for everybody to transition into adulthood, uh, but for youth who age out of, of government uh, care at, at 19 years of age, it can be particularly difficult. And so Aunt Leah's creates an environment uh, where foster youth can have equal opportunity akin to what uh, parented children receive. Trees will be on sale at all three lots until December 18th. Okay, you first, Yvonne, real or fake? Real, I was just going to ask you as well. You? I'm real all the way. Yeah. You have to. It's all about the smell. Right? Yeah, it's very, it's very... Yeah, fake is my teeth. Sorry. Uh, we, I, we have a, our tree, we, we bought a, uh, it's like a, like, like the Rockefeller tree. It's like 20 <laughs> feet tall. We just put it up yesterday. Please send in video of me uh, putting that up. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. It's fun to do, but of course you can't really get it. Bring a 20 foot, you know, Oh, you well, could. Spruce tree into, you your, you well, into the mansion. That's right. You need a, <laughs> you need a forklift. Your, room has a, your house has enough room. You've got some high ceilings. We're lucky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of lucky, to have a forecast like this, yeah. we're all feeling lucky. Fantastic. Uh, just a bit chilly, especially for the early morning hours. Keep that in mind. Bundle up. We will have some fog patches. After that, we're into some sunshine. And then Monday through Wednesday, Barry, it's a partial sun ball in there, mm -hmm. but we'll get the sunshine in the mix, which is great. And then looking ahead, maybe Thursday, we'll start to see a bit of a change. But that's a lot of sun balls. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> all sun right. balls for all. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again at 11. Good night.